to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. We'd like to welcome you once again to the program Freedom to Choose, Parables and Object Lessons, and this is program number 38. parables and object lessons um and susan is showing me something here and that's not registering here so today's program is based on matthew chapter 25 verse uh uh, verses 1 through 13 and susan before we get going would you open with a word of prayer please yes our loving father in heaven thank you for uh the privilege we have to talk about um the teachings in in the word your word your word that uh points to who you are and your character and the principles for living in this life and the and in the next life to come and so we thank you for that and uh please bless this time we all have together in jesus name amen 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 Thank you, Susan. And this is the parable of the ten virgins. Yes, yes, this is the parable. We of the we ten. talked about it last you, week, but there's so much. Yeah, you know, there. And let's discuss a little bit more because, like we were saying last week, we dig into these things, and it just seems to be the same theme all the way through. the The problem is our nature, and the problem is is our nature doesn't like God, so our nature runs from God and. And it's the only God is the only thing that can help us, right? Because God has a nature of others centered, but we yeah. have a nature of self centered, right? And, and so, so those two forces are a battle against each other. And the devil has taught us to fear, to be afraid of God, right? You know, the Bible says fear God. Well, that means reverence Him. It doesn't mean be afraid of Him, right? Reverence your doctor and listen to what he says and take the prescribed medication. But by all means, reverence him and trust him. And that's what the Bible is saying. Reverence God and trust him. He's the only one with the medication for you. Right. You for, know, all, for any of us. For any of us. Absolutely. Um, so in many parts of the East, we talked about it last week, the wedding festivities are held in the evening and the bridegroom goes out and he meets his bride and then he brings the, the, the bridal party back by torchlight to to his house, his own house, where a feast is provided for all the guests. Now, in the parable, the people are waiting for the appearance of the bridal party, and they're they're intending to join in with the procession. Right, but near the bride's house, there are ten young women dressed in white. Each one of them is carrying a lit lamp and a small container for oil. They are all watching for the appearance of the bridegroom, but there is a delay. And hour after hour, they become weary and fall asleep. Okay. And, of course, we know the parable. At midnight, the cry is heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And the sleeping ladies, they're, they're all awake, and all ten are asleep. They're, they're suddenly awake, and, and they spring to their feet. 
They see the procession on the move with bright torches and happy music, and the ten young women take hold of their lamps and begin to trim them in a hurry to go. But five of them have neglected to fill their flasks with oil because they didn't anticipate such a long delay. And they're not prepared for the emergency. And I want to talk about emergencies here just for a little bit. They're doing construction on the like 400 or 500 acres that are right next to our 10 acres. Mm -hmm. And what are they running over to our property? All the critters that lived on on those hundreds of acres. And what is the worst critter that they're running over? One of the worst ones are rattlesnakes. Rattlesnakes. And so we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot. We've seen about one a week. And and a lot of them are babies. A lot of them are little ones. So what happened? Some of them are big ones though. Yeah. But what happened to you last week? Well, um, Gosh, I hate to say it, but my great nephew and I were swimming in the afternoon and I noticed the pool level water was low. So I adjusted the automatic filler. And then the next day, the next morning, I went out and I thought, oh, I better make sure that that's where it needs to be. But the only way for, that I can tell is to um, touch the water by where the um, the hole where you is t- where you tie the rope that distinguishes the the deep to the um, yeah or if you're going to put up a net for volleyball or whatever you're going to tie a rope to that thing it's 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 installed in the pool pocket in the side where the tile is it's it's about three inches deep and about two inches around three no four inches around whatever yeah it's not that big so anyway i go across the pool and i was just going to bend down and kind of swish the water but i didn't know where the um where that thing was where you see the water level so i bent down and i looked to find it and i went to look and lo and behold what did i see she saw a rattlesnake in a that rattle little pocket snake. just tucked into that little <sighs> hole wrapped around that little uh that little steel bar that you tie your net to right and there he was and there, and if she'd reached over, I got a feeling uh, she'd become a statistic right now of some sort. And uh, so, yeah, luckily, and then, uh, and and so. Uh, but the thing is, is, the weird thing about it, and I think the point that you were trying to make is that we are we're expecting them. We're, you know, no, yeah, we're, they're coming. We're, we're yeah. seeing one a week, right? And so we're uh, we're on the lookout. You know, everything's dry. Yeah, we're on high alert. Yeah, man. lizards I'm, are jumping out. I mean, I'm googling. Scary. I'm googling anti venom and all this. What are yeah. we going to do? <laughs> you know, with with our cats and with our donkeys. What are we going to do if they get bit? Right. You know? The neighbors got their dog vaccinated. You know, with the with the venom thing or whatever, and. So, but lo and behold, when you least expect it in the most unsuspecting location, yeah, in the side of the pool, yeah, there, there it was, and it was a little baby, and it, it was there, yes, and alive. And guess what, everybody? Yes, they can swim. He swam like a champ trying to swim away from us, but I had somebody there to help me to care for it, take care of it. Yeah, we took care of it. All right, yes. Uh, So, but see, in spiritual things, it seems like. Good or bad, they're a surprise. Right. You know, it seems like with spiritual things, you don't know you don't know it until you realize you didn't know it. You know, until the quote-unquote light comes on, if you will. And it's the same thing. You, you're, you're going along all just happy getting ready to check some water, and all of a sudden there's a serpent there. Right. right? A dangerous That's one. how life can go if you're going along and we're not connected with God and we're going along just fine thinking we've got it going on, and all of a sudden there's a serpent there. And and that's like you say, it's when we least expect it. Um, and, and the thing is, is for us in that spiritual sense, the serpent is everywhere. And Yeah, and you don't think that the devil hasn't got the 
those that are represented by the five foolish virgins. You don't think that he doesn't have them thinking that they know their Bibles, that they know this and they know that. They 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 they, they have they're knowledge there, but the problem is he's they're not they're not allowing God to go deep and work on their natures, right? You know, and so the wiser girls say. Um, so they ask the wiser girls, "Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out." But the other five, with their freshly trimmed lamps, have emptied their containers. They don't have any oil that they can spare, and they answer, "Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you." But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. In the parable, the wise virgins had oil in their vessels with their lamps. Their light burned with throughout the night, shining out of the darkness. It helped to illuminate the way to the home of the bridegroom, to the marriage feast. In the same way, we are to shed light into the darkness of the world. Do you see where the metaphor is going with that? See, that's that's another part of the metaphor is the wise virgins... Their lamp is is also it's illuminating the path of the bridal party. See, through the Holy Spirit, God's word is a light, as it becomes a transforming power in the life of the person who receives it. By implanting in their in our hearts the principles of His word, the Holy Spirit develops the attributes of God in people. The light of His glory. His character is to shine in his followers. And so we are to glorify God. In other words, to make known his character and principles, to lighten the path to the bridegroom's home, the city of God, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Right. And the coming of the bridegroom was at midnight in the darkest hour. So the coming of Jesus will take place in the darkest period of this earth's history. The days of Noah and Lot were a picture of the condition of the world just before the coming of the Son of Man. Yeah, and the Bible points forward in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Satan will work with all power and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. His working is plainly revealed by the rapidly increasing darkness the lies about God and the delusions of these last days, the promotion of selfishness. And if you look around, you see the promotion of self. This is darkness, and it doesn't appear darkness because a lot of us know our scriptures. A lot of us have knowledge of this and that. And so... Well, and I think, and I think too, is I think one of our, our greatest um, thing, our greatest deception can be, I don't know about but for me is our, our ease of life, mm-hmm. you know, yes, even, it's just, we yeah, can... we're like asleep. So even though we, 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 um, you know, know these things when we practice and we do all this things as we understand the word of God, our ease of life, I think can lull us into complacency. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just, um, I want to say breeds selfishness, breeds more selfishness, you know, and I think that is the sleep, you know, the, the spiritual nature has been, is asleep compared to our carnal nature. Right. And so not only do we have that um, in our own character, Satan is leading the world captive and his deceptions are painting God as an enemy. Yeah. And so like you say, you know, God's not the enemy. Selfishness is the enemy. Right. But, but out of the darkness, God's light will shine. 
because he causes the light to shine out of darkness. That's Second Corinthians uh, four verse six. Yes. Yeah, so, and let's go back and let's let's talk a little bit about you know the Bible uses the word sin a lot, and and it, it gives the def- definition of sin is the transgression of the law. But what law? It's the law of love, and and sin is the darkness, if you will. Sin is the exploitation of others for selfish gain. Sin is seeking a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Sin is selfishness. Sin is forcing one's own picture of God onto someone else. Sin is a lot of things, but mainly sin is being selfish, and what happens when we're selfish is we hurt other people in order to protect ourselves. Right, right. So when the word, when the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So in the night of spiritual darkness, God's word goes forth, and it says, Let there be life. To all of his people, he says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That's Isaiah 60, verse 1. Yeah, and in Isaiah 60, verse 2, it says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory, in other words, his character, shall be seen upon thee. Shall be seen upon thee means that Jesus will be revealing it, and so will God's people. Absolutely. Absolutely, because his character is neat, is um, to be made known. Into the darkness of the world is the light of his glory. The light of his goodness, mercy, and truth is to be shed. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. That's right. And those who wait for the bridegroom's coming are to say to, are, are to, say to the people, behold your God. So in their own life, they're supposed to, we are supposed to be giving that example of, of the true character of God. Mm-hmm. And, and to say, this is, you know, this is an example of who God is. Come learn of him. Right. Because, uh, Jesus said, you know, when he was walking with his disciples and they, they asked, hey, show us the Father. And he said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, this is what God is about right here. God is a healing God. God is a protecting God. God is a God that wants to make you well, both phys- physically and spiritually. Uh, God is a God that cares about and you. And God gives in order that you might live. That's right. God is a God that when he raises Jairus' daughter, he, he wants to make sure she's fed because he knows she's hungry. God wants to take care of, the, take care of you, but we have to let him. Right. Right. His character be, is to be made known, the light of his glory, the last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love the children of god are to manifest his glory in our own lives and our characters we're to reveal what the grace of god has done for us the demoniac went and revealed what the grace of god had done for him paul's writings he went and he revealed what the grace of god had done for him Peter went around with the disciples and revealed what the grace of God had done for him. You go through the Bible. John, one of the sons of thunder. If you read John, my word, he had a picture of God, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He had a beautiful picture of God. And if you read the writings of John, there's no way that you would categorize him as one of the sons of thunder. But that's a nickname that Jesus gave him. So he must have been a pretty rough character. But boy, he sure flipped around and he sure had a, a, a good picture of God that he describes in, in the book of John and John 1, 2, 3 and in, in Re, the book of Revelation. 
fascinating to see the turnaround of a person, the transformation of people. Mm -hmm. It's what God's all about. He wants to make us well. Jesus, the outshining of the Father's glory, came to the world as its light. He came to represent God to men, and of him it is written that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and went about doing good. Went about doing what? Went about doing good. Yeah, that's what he did. That's um, anointed with God's Spirit. And once again, we're talking about the metaphor and what the oil represents, and we're talking about God's Spirit and how it all comes together in regards to God uh, wanting to impart His Spirit to us, but yet it's not something that someone else can do for you. It's not something that um, you can borrow from someone. Um, and that's, of course, what the parable is talking about. In the, in the synagogue at Nazareth, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now you have a spiritual and a physical meaning in all those to preach deliverance to the captives captives by what you know uh, what do, what are we in bondage to once again it's our own natures it's our own natures and recovering sight to the blind to right. be able to you know take the blind the scales off of our off of our eyes have the lord do that for us so that we can see things in a clear light not just from our own um um center of of knowledge right yeah but to be able to have that clear picture um, through, you know, looking at people and looking at situations through the eyes of God, you know, being yeah. able to see people as as a as a child of God, and that, um, you know, that's that. I was speaking with a young woman today, and and just talking, you know, being able to, and you've talked about this, being able to cross the courtroom from a, being a prosecutor and accuser to go over to the defense table and be able to to um, you know, to understand and have compassion towards people, to recognize that they too are human beings, just like us, that people struggle with um, uh, bad habits and bad uh, mental patterns and bad actions, but they're humans just like us in need of a savior, just like we are. And as we have been blessed, we need to impart that blessing so that other people can know that there is a solution for your sickness. Yeah, that's that's a great mental exercise. If you have resentments for someone and you, you picture yourself in a courtroom and, you, you know, nat- naturally, if you've got resentments towards someone, you're defending yourself in the courtroom, right? Walk across that courtroom and try to defend them. Right. Just put yourself in their shoes. And and the thing is, is we don't we don't ever want to take away from the pain that people have experienced. And, um, you know, what what we've a lot of us have gone through some very tragic and traumatic things in our lives. But the thing is, is we've got to be able to see that sometimes people are only operating at the best level that they can operate from. And remember that story that, um, about the, um, that the psychiatrist told about a person who was sexually abused as a child. And they took her to heaven and said, okay, yeah, you, God said, God said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two options. You can go back to earth and live your life as you have, 
as the one that got sexually abused, or you can go back to Earth and li- relive your life as your abuser. Which do you choose? And yeah. and as a person that has been sexually abused as a child, I um, would always choose to you know live the life that I have had. That even though it's been painful and hurtful and and traumatic, that the last thing I would want to do is to be in that person's position because I see the damage that their right. actions have caused. They're right. damaged. And so, and by the way, clearing up a resentment has in no way, shape, or form are you given a stamp of approval on anyone's bad behavior. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that they got away with it. Right. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you just rubber stamped, yeah, okay, I'm fine with that. That's not what it's about. Forgiving someone keeps it from rattling around in your brain and doing more damage and more harm. And, and That is already already has occurred. Yeah, because once the person is out of the room, once the abuse has stopped or once the damage has stopped, the only one that is damaging someone now with the resentment is we damage ourselves. Right. Yeah. The, so, yeah. And so the, the saying is being angry with someone else is like drinking the poison and expecting them to die. Yeah. You drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Right. Yeah. So, and by, and by the way, we said that Jesus was going to preach deliverance to the captives and, and the recovering of sight to the blind. Um, and I've often thought about this is because we... We seem to think that when Paul was on his horse, he was blinded and knocked off his horse. He was blind when he got there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He was blind when he got there. The scales falling off of his eyes is when he gained his true spiritual sight. So once again, that's a metaphor, mm-hmm. but but it's uh, it's just a metaphor. So Jesus is delivering and recovering sight and setting liberty to those captives, and that's what he's about. Right. Um. And this is the work that he commissions us as his disciples to do. We are to be the um, the light of the world. We're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And how do you do that? You do the practical stuff. You know, just the, pra- the simple practical stuff. And, it, and it's hard to roll your sleeves up and get involved sometimes, especially if you're not used to it. Um, it's... Not to it, This is the work which the prophet Isaiah describes when he says, Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bringest the poor and are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and thou not hide thyself from thine own flesh? Then thou, shall thy light break forth as the morning." Interesting, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy thy righteousness shall go f- before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Very right. interesting text. Yes, in the night of spiritual darkness, God's glory is to shine forth through His church and lifting up those that are down, and comforting those that grieve. So, the, whether it be spiritual. Or whether it be physical, whatever maladies that are out there that that people struggle with, God is saying, go in there and be present for people. Just be there, be present. Yeah, right. I mean, and and let them know what He has done for you. That's really all you have to do, is because no one can argue with your testimony, and if you keep repeating it, you then you'll understand once again how. I want to say infected with fear that you really are or were and how God is 
chasing that fear out. You know, as as we allow God to work on us, things change. Right. And doing for others instead of ourselves. I think that's a huge key once again. Yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 victim mentality, uh, it is getting a little bit pervasive and this, the selfishness and the stuff that sec, that Timothy was talking about, you know, if anyone's a victim here, it's God, you know, if you think about it. And if we're really on God's side and we see things like that, you know, he's been chasing us, he's been trying to help us, and he's got a bad rap. And, uh, and Right, he's waiting for people to be truthful about who he is. Who he is and truthful right. about how, who we are. Right, and we're how he can— We're the problem, not yeah. him. Right. God's, we're the problem, right. not him. Absolutely. We're about ready to wrap it up here, folks. You can get a hold of us at www.justasiamministries.com, or you can shoot us a call at 916-645-1297. That's 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 